I'll get this figured out by like the hundredth time, right? <laughs> oh, hey, Sandy. Okay. There we go. You? You are, sir. Oh. More of those. All righty. Sandy, can you hear me okay online? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay, good. Good deal. <laughs> All right. So we are continuing today our study of the spiritual disciplines, looking at uh, today the discipline of hospitality. Hospitality, which, um, you know, I grew up, my dad uh, worked for a long time for Marriott. Um, his focus was hospitality in a lot of ways. I remember around the house, we would have pictures of pineapples. I was like, why do we have pictures of pineapples? We live in Michigan, but apparently the pineapple is the sign of hospitality. Any of you know that? I did not know that. It's the symbol of hospitality, the international symbol of hospitality. I'm sure there's a story behind it. I do not know the story. Um, but in any event, hospitality is something that I kind of have grown up around and uh, hadn't really connected it with a biblical um, spiritual discipline really until the last couple of years. And now, as I start to look for it, um, you see it all over the place. And we're going to dig into some of that in today's Bible study and also see um, how we, and I think um, for, for some, of, some people, it comes really naturally being hospitable and opening their home, opening their lives. Um, for others, maybe not so much, but we're going to get some super practical advice at the end too, for how wherever you're at on the hospitality spectrum, um, you can maybe go one click further along. So let's open us with a, a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks that you have welcomed and received us in your son, Jesus. And we pray that this morning as we're um, studying your scriptures on your teaching on hospitality, that you would open our hearts, that we might be willing to open our lives to others. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So first thing I want to say about hospitality is it's foil, or as I say, number one on your handout, it's evil twin. Entertaining is the evil twin of hospitality. Now, any of you guys, HGTV fans, any of you watch Home and Garden TV, you know, Fixer Upper and all those different shows, and they're always talking about entertaining. This is going to be a great house, a great space for entertaining people. Entertaining has uh, similarities to hospitality, but ultimately it comes from a different place and for a different goal and often will look different too. I found this uh, story or this article online, Why Hospitality Beats Entertaining, and says this, entertaining is always thinking about the next course. Hospitality burns the rolls because it was listening to a story. Entertaining obsesses over what went wrong. Hospitality savors what was shared. Entertaining, exhausted, says it was nothing, really. Hospitality thinks it was nothing, really. Entertaining, entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. Hmm. So I, I really like that distinction. I think it's helpful. Do you, but do you recognize that? Or do you think this is a distinction without a difference? What, what do you, do you see any, any contrast being made there? Yeah, that last sentence really does hit the nail on the head. Like if you're entertaining, many times it's like, 
look at my beautiful home, look at this beautiful food, all, all this kind of stuff. Um, whereas hospitality is like, just glad you're here, right? <laughs> and yeah, sorry for the mess, you know, um, because it's not about showing off, it's about receiving others. Now, that's not to say that being a good host doesn't mean that, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, don't mind the dog poop right in, in the front doorway, that you shouldn't try to you know, <laughs> clean up a little bit. But it's recognizing it's coming from a different spot, a different place, different motivation. And as we dig into why that is, we're going to see it really comes from God's own heart, the significance of hospitality. So number two on your handout, hospitality is the discipline of making room for outsiders. Hospitality is the discipline of making room for outsiders. And outsiders here, that can just be people outside of your family. It could be people outside of your church. It could be people outside of your community. Just people who are not part of your immediate connection, right? Like I couldn't call it hospitality with my kids because, you know, I kind of don't have any choice. I got to put a roof over their head and I happily do so. I happily do so. But it's for those who are outside. Those are the ones that uh, you're welcoming in. And I find it so fascinating. Um, sometimes you get this with the, the biblical terms. Are you guys going to join us? You want to hand up? That's, that's not the one. There we go. That one's about the organ, which is really good to read, but uh, not, the, not the Bible study. So the, the biblical Greek word for hospitality is a lovely word, philoxenia. Let me hear you say philoxenia. Okay. And a couple, the, both the roots of this word, it's a compound word, might be familiar to you. So it literally means love of the stranger. Can anybody think of another word that we have in English that have, well, or a couple words that have a similar root? Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. So philos is really that brotherly love. Agape, what we talk about in John 3.16 in the sermon today, is that love of God, that sacrificial love. Philos is that brotherly love. How about the second half of the word? Xenia. Any words come to mind with that? Xenophobia one that has you know been more in the news over the last several years xenophobia means literally fear of the stranger philoxenia hospitality is love of the stranger i find that so interesting that hospitality would be put as the the contrast or the foil to a kind of xenophobia now it's anachronistic to read back into the first century what xenophobia was i'm not even sure that that was a word yet but it's still suggestive in any event and it was really essential just at a practical level in the early world where you did not have Marriott, right? You didn't have the holiday and I could just check in. If you were going to travel to a new place, especially as a, a Christian, if you were going to be for business, you were going on the Roman roads and you were going to be in a different town, where, where are you going to stay? Now there was inns, there was hostels, um, unless you're the Holy Family on Christmas Eve, there was no room at the inn, right? No vacancy out front. But in many cases, you would rely on the hospitality of other believers, and you would actually get um, a letter or a card sent with you from your pastor saying, hey, this guy's legit. He's, he's a, a real believer. He's not just trying to, you know, get a cheap room or something like that. Um, and that was that system of hospitality was core to how the gospel really spread. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But just to give you a couple of verses here, Romans 12, Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show philoxenia, hospitality. And then I like this one, 1 Peter 4, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hmm. I, 
that catches my attention. Like, why do you think Peter mentions grumbling specifically? Is there, is there some kind of particular connection with hospitality and grumbling? What do you think? Seek to show hospitality without grumbling. Why does he need to say that? Okay. So yeah, hospitality can feel like an imposition. You know, I think of in uh, the American cinema. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, when, uh, you know, cousin Eddie shows up and the other in-laws and she's just like, oh, of course we'd love to have you. We've got plenty of room, plenty of towels, uh, where it's clearly an imposition, right? And there's that kind of grumbling. Yeah. Any other thoughts why Peter would, would have to say this? Yeah, Grace. <laughs> right. Here, Annie, you looking for a hint? Oh, okay. Yes, I think that's a, that's a great point. Like Peter has somebody in mind, like be hospitable without grumbling, Frank. You know, <laughs> and that could be, that could be. But I do think that there's something natural about anytime someone's getting that close, it feels like you're invading your space. Or, you know, I mean, we have expressions about this, about how long uh, people can overstay their welcome, this sort of thing. Um, th there's something natural, I think, with when you're showing hospitality to be given to grumbling. And so Peter anticipates that, preempts it. Yeah, Gordon. You have a lot of friends who are not Packer fans, especially around here, right? Right. But you still, you're still hospitable to them. It's very, that's very kind of you. It shouldn't be hard for a, it's harder for a Lions fan to be hospitable to a Packers fan than vice versa, I think. Packers fans are like, oh, come on over. Be happy to have you over. You poor, sorry soul. Yeah. But number three on, on your handout then, hospitality is rooted in God's own nature. It's rooted in God's very being. And here I want to pass something out. We're going to look at a couple verses here, but I happen to have, I happen to have, um, I'm going to ask you guys to share this and you guys share. I've just got a few of them. Um, I forget when I ordered these, but I had some extra copies laying around. So this is an icon from uh, a medieval icon from a Russian artist named Andrei Rublev and uh, Sandy at home. There's the picture. You could, you could Google it and see it too. That's very tiny. There you go. Whoa. Kind of a familiar, a familiar picture. Uh, I'll come back to this in just a second. But to say hospitality is rooted in God's own nature, Philippians 2 says that have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. See, this is this idea of making room for us is right there in the heart of the Trinity as the son of God empties himself, thereby carving out space for us to enter into the life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 10, going back, kicking the Old Testament here, says God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. This is who God is. So what he does, he loves the sojourner. Therefore, we do as well. We show that philoxenia, that love for the outsider, 
That's it's rooted in God's own self. So if I could take just a minute with this with this icon, then which um, is often invoked and applied for when talking about Christian hospitality, and the reason is this. So it goes back to um, it's on the surface of it, it's literally a depiction of the story in Genesis chapter eighteen, when Abraham has these three mysterious guests, and those guests come to his house, and he's very hospitable. You know, he's like. Sarah, come on, let's kill the fattened calf. We got some guests here. And they, they make a supper, you know, just like that. And they welcome these folks in. And while it doesn't say so explicitly in the text, it becomes clear, this is, this is the Lord, right? Some have said, oh, these are, these are angels or what have you. But uh, historically, in the Christian tradition, it's been viewed as a kind of anticipation or prefiguration, if that's a word, of the Trinity, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit paying an unannounced visit to uh, to Abraham. With that in mind, Andrei Rublev kind of plays on that with this icon, which is at once that story from Genesis 18, but then also a depiction of the Trinity. And what's fascinating about this too is the perspective that's given. So you have, say, the Holy Spirit, and you know we could get into which one is depicted by which, but around the table, but it's almost as though there's a fourth spot left open at the table, see, where we are looking at it from our um, see, but they're looking at one another and they're looking at us. It's kind of a, a trick of the way that the, the artistry worked, as if to say, here, we are gathered together, but we are also making room for you, for you and me to have our seat at the table with the triune God. And in the, at the centerpiece, you have the lamb. You have the, the slain lamb. And so I think there's also kind of a, a Eucharistic overtones to it as well, suggesting that when we come to the Lord's Supper, when we receive the body and blood of the Lamb of God. It's like we are being ushered into the, the company, the fellowship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's, so in the, in the bowl there, yeah, it's really hard to see. That's not like oatmeal or something. But um, if you look at it really close up, you can't really see it on, on here. That's the, uh, the, the lamb that, that was slain. So uh, I think, uh, again, just a, a powerful picture of, of hospitality, but that this is rooted in God's own self, that he is hospitable to us in the richest sense of the word, welcome, welcoming us into the life of love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thoughts or other questions or reflections about either about the icon or just about that, that hospitality being rooted in God's own, God's own nature? Right. So I've, I have done some further study on this. I think generally speaking, um, they would speak of Jesus as being the one in the middle, second in the Trinity, but then also with his, he's got the two colors of, I mean, they all have two colors, but with him having the, the red kind of the blood or the earthliness, and then also the blue of the heavenly blue with it, uh, that kind of two natures of Christ. Um, on the left, the father with the more just kind of uh, celestial hues and then the spirit with the blue, the heaven, so forth. But um, there's no necessarily right answer with it. But um, I think the artist purposely left it kind of open and ambiguous for us to kind of enter into imaginatively by faith and see how God can be depicted there. Swords? 
Oh, I think I think that's just from from the background and kind of. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the red. Yes, yeah. Uh, a staff, maybe. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's like the it's called the dominical sign, you know, of the peace. You know, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, you see often uh, depicted that way. So, very cool. You can keep this. Yes, exactly. Yep. They have wings uh, as befits heavenly creatures, right? <laughs> okay. So then number four, hospitality can offer unexpected blessings. Oh, door just blew open. Hospitality can offer, I blew the doors off. Well, we're going to come back to that later in the Bible study here, actually. But hospitality can offer unexpected blessings. And you, you see this many times in the teaching of our Lord. Luke 14, he says, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. What? You will be blessed because they can't repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is saying, don't do this as a way, you know, as in high society. If I do this, then um, I'll get uh, a welcome back in return. I'll get a, a follow-up invite saying, no. Invite the people who are not going to invite you back because they don't have a place to invite you back to. You will receive your blessing at the resurrection. Similarly, in Matthew 25, the great story of the uh, sheep and the goats or vision of the end times. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then listen uh, in this section, especially in the, with a hospitality mindset. It says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So we generally, I think of Matthew 25, I think in just a, a broad mercy kind of sense, and it certainly can be that way. But I think you can also look at it through this lens of hospitality. This is really what it's getting after here of um, feeding the hungry, of welcoming the strolling naked, and in so doing, the unexpected blessing of receiving the Lord himself. And once more, Hebrews 13, I think playing off of that Genesis 18 passage, let brotherly love, Philadelphia, continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality, philoxenia, to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Okay. So author of Hebrews strengthens the angelic reading of it. But have you ever been, well, two-part question. Have you yourself ever been the recipient or been blessed by someone else's hospitality? And then kind of a, a follow-up with that. Have you ever found unexpected blessings in hospitality, whether it be your own that you were offering, perhaps unintentionally even, um, or from, from somebody else? But first, have, have you ever been blessed by somebody else's hospitality? Or is there an instance of that that, that comes to mind? Yeah, Julie, you're nodding your head. Okay. Yeah, but no, no particular instance uh, comes to mind. Yeah. 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 And um, they, um, I 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, an unexpected blessing. Somebody just to, to welcome you into your home, especially if it, w it wasn't anticipated. That's, that's great. Others of you? Yeah, Hans. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we went out there for a week. A family of we We spent a week with them. Wow. Uh, People that you didn't even know just said, "Hey, we're, we'd be happy." And isn't it interesting too that that turn of phrase puts you up? Like there's something about hospitality that kind of lifts you up and is encouraging, uplifting in that way. Um, or it could be we'll put up with you for a week. But that's a different. That's yeah. That's the hospitality without grumbling. So any, any others of you that have received a blessing or something that especially springs to mind? I mean, for me, I, there's been so many times over the years where, where Ann and I, we've just been welcomed into to people's homes. And especially, you know, as, as a pastor, as a vicar, um, when we first do our vicarage out to Arizona, this gal just opened up her home to us for a month and just said, here, you can, you can stay here. And it never ceases to amaze me especially those who really have a gift for hospitality, how they, how they're just so willing to just, yeah, come on in and, you know, make a mess of my house. We're just glad to have you, you know, it's a real gift, but I think number five on the handout, it ultimately has to grow from the soil of the gospel. See, it makes it very clear. Like it's always going to go to grumbling. If hospitality is just merely law, like this is what you're supposed to do. If you're going to be a good Christian, but hospitality, we have to recognize that it really grows from the soil of the gospel. And notice this, Jesus himself avails himself of the hospitality of others. Many times, not only is he himself hospitable, but he's constantly um, availing himself of others hospitality. So it's a great story in Matthew nine, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And then right away, and as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. It's almost like this was just part and parcel. Like, hey, you want to be my disciple? Yeah. All right, party. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Uh, there it is. We're bringing in the tax collectors. We're bringing in sinners. We're bringing anyone and everyone. Let's have a feast. I mean, you see the story of the prodigal son culminates with the feast. The um, angels of God are rejoicing over the one sinner that's been found. When the Pharisees saw this, of course, the party poopers, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, 
Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That welcome to sinners, to those who had been outcasts or outsiders in the community, like tax collectors were. This is part and parcel of the gospel itself. And Paul puts it even more succinctly in Romans 15. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What are some of the ways that Christians can and do, say, the church, church as a whole there you are, um, can be hospitable and show this kind of welcome? What are, what are ways that the churches are hospitable or fail to be hospitable? Put it both those ways. I mean, churches obviously are always hospitable. They never, ever, ever show a lack of hospitality. Uh, who was telling me? Was it was it Dr. Nunes that told us the story of coming to a church in Detroit, and like they were? I don't want to butcher the story. It's his story, but it was something like they, he came to the this church and yeah, the guy in the parking lot and. Uh, they were like, uh, we've got, sorry, are you, you're here for the wrong service or I, I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great outreach. They thought he was just parking. Cause it was like downtown close to the football stadium. And they thought, oh, are you just here for the football game? He's like, no, I'm here for church. And then the guy from the church, are you sure? <laughs> like, Wow, that just screams welcome and hospitality, right? Goodness gracious. Yeah, Ann. Yeah, right. Oh, there you go. nowhere to sit yeah sure right not looking at anybody uh, here but uh that, that's a, that's an interesting point and again something you just wouldn't think about like how can we be welcoming or hospitable or if you are um sitting on the end or wherever to you see somebody coming like oh hey can i move over for you of course all these things have become even more um what complicated in a time of covid where it's like oh cooties like get, don't get too close to me right like we gotta keep a uh, certain distance and all this sort of thing, but right. Yeah, exactly. I've got my, I've got my turf, I've got my six foot radius back off. Right. I, I find it kind of sad that it seems like when you talk about hospitality with churches, it's a lot easier many times to find bad examples than good examples. Um, but I think that it's absolutely a, um, a goal, an aspirational goal for Christians individually, but for churches generally say, hey, how can we be more hospitable? How can we be more welcoming to, to people? And it can just be as simple as, you know, uh, saying hello to people when they come in on Sunday morning, you don't know them, what, you know, what's your name? Um, it's part of why we, I mean, even pre-COVID, why we have the whole liturgy printed out in the worship folder. Because, I mean, we've got the hymnals, we could just have everything in the hymnal. Um, but I think it's, it's more hospitable for those who aren't as familiar with um, our liturgy to be able, okay, you've got it right there. I'm not turning back and forth in the hymnal. Um, 
of course, for uh, those who want to use a hymnal, they can or they will be able to <laughs> soon restore, restore the hymnal to its proper place. Um, but it's just another way to kind of be welcoming to those who maybe aren't coming from our tradition or aren't as f- familiar with it. Um, it's part of why I do little stage directions during the service. Well, you know, please, please stand, please sit, this sort of thing. Like, I know that you guys don't really need that. You've got it down pat. But for those who maybe aren't familiar, who are visitors, they, okay, that's helpful. Yes, because that's the worst thing in the world to feel like, okay, what am I supposed to stand? Have you ever gone to the opera, something like that? That's a good, I think every Christian, you don't usually go to the opera. We have some people who do, but you should do that because if you want, it gives you a sense of what it feels like to really be an outsider in that kind of setting. Like, okay, what are the, what's the proper etiquette? Are we clapping? We're not clapping. Okay, cool. No, don't do that. Right. (laughs) You know, what, what am I supposed to do? People, if they're not familiar with coming to worship, especially liturgical worship, uh, it can be like a little bit of a hurdle. So how can we be more welcoming? All right. Couple more thoughts. I don't. My I don't have my watch on. Send me. Tell me what. How we doing on time? Ten thirty. Perfect. Sure. The other kids. That's a great point. Yeah. How, how do you welcome kids? Do you welcome kids? And what does that look like? I had a similar conversation with a buddy of mine who's a pastor at a giant church in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, not, not a Lutheran church, but we we're talking about how COVID has changed things. He's like, yeah. And one of the big adjustments we've had to make is that now during the worship service, the whole family is worshiping together. I was like, well, what do you normally do? Like you normally separate? It's like, well, normally the kids are not going into the service. And that just had never even occurred to me that you wouldn't have or want the kids worshiping with their parents. But it's this whole idea of like a children's church or sacred. And it's not to say that there isn't benefits to that. I can see why they do that for the parents' sanity in some cases, um, but also, you know, to give things at, at a kid's level. Um, but I, it also, I think, uh, in many ways conflicts to uh, with what the church is, which is an intergenerational body of believers where we want to give kids something to grow up into, not to grow out of, right? And I'm afraid many times that's the, the faith. Kids are like, oh, yeah, I grew out of that. It was like a, a phase when I was little, but now I don't, now I don't need it. Yeah, Grace. Yeah, sure, right. Right. They're not going to ask for that. Yeah. You need to help people understand that you are hospitable. Yes. You need to develop that culture. 
Yeah, that I like that. No, that's spot on. The, a culture of hospitality for it to really um, suffuse the congregation and it, its interactions with the community and make it clear like, hey, we actually want you here in ways large and small, like um, whether it be, you know, updating your, your board out there or whether it be from members of the church actually welcoming and encouraging others and saying, hey, we're, we're here for the sake of, of the larger community and not just for the sake of ourselves. And I think it does take time to Grace's point about developing a culture. It's easy to talk about. It's not always easy to implement, um, but it's something worth aspiring to and striving after that kind of a hospitable vibe. I like that. I might put that on the website. We've got a hospitable vibe. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's, that's good. And don't preach, for, don't preach for 45 minutes. That's right. Keep it an hour tight or less. That's also very hospitable. Yeah. Um, when I visited there, there was a member who saw me come in and I knew her recently and I was just kind of looking around and like, I didn't see her go to church or anything. Yeah. And he said, Can you introduce yourself to me? And he said, Has this is your first time here? And I'm like, Yep, this is my first time here. Well, let me show you around and you show, you know, yeah. then this is a much bigger church than this one. Right. But still, you know, he kind of moved around where the restrooms were and the yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but just it made you feel like okay, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, somehow a uh, an enemy of the. <laughs> you know, it's not a, a hostile welcome, but um, th there is a connection, an etymological connection in English between hospitality and hostility, and uh, that. Uh, to be hospitable, again, is um, an affront to hostility or it's a way to counteract hostility is to be hospitable, have hospitality. So, okay, uh, just briefly touch on how hospitality serves the mission of the church. Um, I mentioned this earlier, how just historically from the earliest days, the apostles are going out, other missionaries are going out. They were dependent on others receiving them. So you have third John, just don't spend a lot of time in the letter of third John, but John writes, beloved is a faithful thing. You do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you do what you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. This is essentially a hospitality letter. Third John is commending the church for receiving those who are coming through, passing through, Paul often ends his letters with these kinds of uh, greetings of hospitality. He says, the churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prissa, together with the church in their house. Notice that, the churches were in the house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It's an open question whether or not a holy kiss today would be more or less hospitable. Um, <laughs> so I, basically what we would do and other times, the passing of the peace, sharing of the peace, at that point, instead of a handshake, they would do a kiss on the cheek. Yep. Or in some cases, I mean, just full-on kiss on the mouth, um, which, again, seems a little bit weird or outside of our normal comfort zone, right? Um, I, I get, gather that some European cultures, this is more common or more comfortable. But Americans, 
And now it's like, even to shake somebody's hand feels like, whoa, that's a, a huge deal. Yeah. Three times. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, the sharing of the piece lasts 45 minutes. You got to go around, get everybody's cheeks. <laughs> um, so, but it was that, that sense of welcome. And even this, the didache, which is a writing, an early church writing, perhaps from the first century, no later than the second century, says, and so welcome anyone who comes and teaches you everything mentioned above about Lord's Supper and baptism and so forth. But if the teacher should himself turn away and teach something different, undermining these things, don't listen to him. But if his teachings bring righteousness and the knowledge of the Lord, then welcome him as the Lord. It's a big thing, being able to, to welcome others. All right, well, I want to close with these last couple of points and get to the, get to the practical stuff. Number seven, hospitality means vulnerability. Hospitality means vulnerability because you are opening yourself up, opening your life up to others. Even if it's just you're welcoming people over for dinner, it's like your home is your, is your space and it can feel very vulnerable. Like, am I, is it clean enough? Does it look nice enough? I love this verse from First Thessalonians. <laughs> Paul says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul speaks how that gospel ministry was itself a, a reflection and expression of that hospitality. I'm sharing with you not just the word and kind of holding you at arm's length. My very self is going into this. I'm personally invested in it, and that can't help but keep you feeling a little bit vulnerable. Like, wow, I'm putting myself out there now. And uh, uh, author named Lauren Winner uh, beautifully expresses this in a book called Mudhouse Sabbath. It's really a, a nice little book. But she says, we're not meant to invite people simply into our homes, but also to invite them into our lives. Having guests and visitors, if we do it right, is not an imposition because we aren't meant to rearrange our lives for our guests. We're meant to invite our guests into our lives as they are. What she's talking about is like you, uh, going back to where we started with the hospitality, being hospitable versus entertaining. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be a time where it's like, here, check out how, how awesome, how put together I've got everything. But instead it's, hey, I just want to open my life to you. And honestly, I think that can be even more grace to others because it, frankly, if you come over somewhere else and it's like, perfectly spick and span and everything's just perfect. Martha Stewart could have made the dinner and all of that. It's almost like kind of daunting or intimidating. Like, wow, okay, this is like too perfect. I don't want to mess anything up. You know, I go, I'm visiting people's homes a lot. And I always ask if they want me to take their shoes off. And I'm super intimidated. It almost feels like a test when I see a really nice white, clean carpet. And they're like, no, you can leave your shoes on. I'm like, this happened to me recently. I was like, are you really? Are you, are you testing me here? Um, <laughs> God bless the white carpet, right? Uh, we've gotten rid of carpet at our house because we know we're just going to set the bar lower for ourselves. Or, uh, but I, just, I think it's a beautiful picture that there's a vulnerability to hospitality saying, hey, I'm opening myself up. This, I'm saved by grace. Happy to welcome you in also a fellow saved by grace sinner. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. El Rancho. Okay. There you go. I'll find a table for you. Yeah. Perfect. Right. You remember that hospitality. Oh, that reminds me. And also I'm, I'm going to say there's a restaurant. You ever go to Monterey to Carmel by the sea? You've got to go to Demetra's. And Demetra's was a, Medita a Mediterranean restaurant owned by a couple of, of cousins who'd come from Jordan. And they had just this little hole in the wall kind of place. You could never just come in and get a table there, but it was just this kind of thing. Like, we are going to welcome you. And the first time we come in, the owner, he greets us. And you would have thought that we were his long lost siblings. He's like, oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Come in, come in. Gives us a bottle of wine, like just to, to take home like a souvenir from your from your trip here and i think i'm pretty sure he kissed Anne. i can't remember if it was on the lips or on the cheeks but i was uncomfortable about that like okay making a move on my wife not sure how hospitable that is but um but it was just it was the most life-giving situation and again the place is just it's raucous it's loud every so often one of the uh, cooks from the back just comes out he was like the 70 year old guy and he would just sing acapella um did he have something? He had some kind of, oh yeah, that's right. A liar? I don't know what a liar is exactly. It's King David, right. What are you, 43? Okay, wrap it up. Um, but I just, uh, it's such, as both those stories testify, when you receive and experience that kind of hospitality, it just, it's so good. And when we came back again, he remembered us. That's another way that as churches, we can be hospitable. Like, oh yeah, I, I remember you. I remember your, your face, your name. And since she's not here and she's not on, on the Bible study, Carla is so good at this. You know, Car Carla Wool, um, just so hospitable and warm and welcoming. And um, we've got a, a gentleman who's, um, new to the church. He was here, here this morning and he was telling me the other day about how much he appreciated Carla going out of her way to introduce herself, getting to know him and also remembering him and being hospitable. All right. Just real quick here, some real practical ideas for practicing hospitality. And I take these uh, from a book that Lutheran Hour put out called The Spiritually Vibrant Home. And if any of you are interested in uh, borrowing this, taking a look at it, let me know. It's actually um, grounded in some research from uh, the Barna company where they looked at what are some things that correspond to a home that's spiritually vibrant. You're like, well, what's the definition of, of all that? You can read all more about that. But one of the, the big takeaways from it is that hospitality is one of the three big keys they talk about to a spiritually vibrant home. Um, it's not, they don't go so far as to say it's a causality, but there's a close correspondence that they um, identified between spiritually vibrant homes and hospitality. And they speak of hospitality in terms of open doors. And um, so in that chapter, the author gives some very practical ideas. It says, depending on where you're at, you might just want to crack the door, open it a little bit wider, or blow the doors off, which you know, we were doing that, maybe a sign from the Lord. So here's some of ide his ideas from if you just want to crack the door, 
just make it a little bit bigger. Um, host a dinner party. Create a guest book for whenever people come over. So when they come over, oh, sign our guest book. It's a way to kind of reinforce or think, oh, yeah, this is something that we want to do, have people. Drop in at someone else's place unannounced. Say, that doesn't seem very hospitable, but a way to help encourage and maybe with cookies in tow. He says that that's a good way. So you're not just coming empty handed. But then if you're ready to open it a little bit wider, talks about establishing an annual tradition for a party. Every year we're going to have our, you know, uh, St. Patrick's Day party or, you know, something we've tried to have at, at our house and we'll, we'll be bringing it back is the 12th night party at the end of the season of Christmas or a Super Bowl party or whatever it might be. So this is like an annual thing we're going to do. Uh, maybe once a week or once a month. Yeah, Joan, did you have a thought on that? Saint, which which saint? <laughs> well, that's why. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Right. Chocolate grasshoppers. Right. U R H O. U R H O. Is that what you said? Saint Earl versus Saint Patrick. Yerho. Yerho. I'll work on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, have your have your Saint Yerho uh, party or. What, whatever it might be. I love that. Um, whoa, where was I? And then blowing the doors off. If you're really ready to go full hog hospi hospitable, it's something that you've been working toward, um, buy a bigger dinner table. I hadn't thought about this, but he's, buy a bigger dinner table and add some chairs. If you got a small dinner table, you're not gonna be able to have very many people over. Um, invite family to stay with you long-term. Now this is, again, this is way high up there, okay? Um, but this is serious hospitality. Uh, become a foster family. Or informally adopt a younger family or conversely, an older couple or older individual from the church or from the neighborhood. Just a few practical ideas. Again, if this is something you're interested in learning more, you can borrow the book or give you some more resources. But I just love this vision of hospitality as being part and parcel of the people of God. And I really think it, it fits in very much with uh, the, our vision of Heart for Arcadia here of you know, combating loneliness by building a close-knit community. Um, because to do that, to build that kind of close-knit community, you have to have that hospitable sense of welcoming others into, into the family. And not just, sometimes you can be close-knit in a way that you're like, we don't want anyone else in here, right? Um, the trick is to be close-knit, but also welcoming and open to, to others. So, all right, gone over time here. Thank you so much for your uh, attention and participation today, and we'll continue next week. God bless.